you this morning. Are you ready for a touch of heaven? Are they just words that we sing? Are we ready for a touch of heaven? You know, I want more and more and more of God. I need, I don't just want, I need more and more and more of God. And you know what I'm going to talk about today? Most of us, if not all of us, have found ourselves with this feeling. In fact, I'm going to go out there and say all of us have. And if you haven't, by the time I get to the end of this message, if you haven't, I want to shake you by the hand at the end of the meeting because I'll tell you something, you're a special kind of character. That is how convinced I am that we have all experienced and need wisdom and insight into why we experience and go through some of these things that we do. You'll identify with these things that it's something that you have experienced, but yet we can just accept it as normal and wait for time to pass. You know, on my uh, phone, well, anybody who has an iPhone, Apple invented the most incredible setting. Do not disturb. Can I hear an amen Amen. for do not disturb on your iPhone? You just flick that little bar down and you press the half a moon sign and you are uncontactable. Nobody can get through. Well, I don't know about Android. I'm talking about Apple because I've got Apple. I don't know. Barry bypassed it this morning. So I'm going to have a little look at my phone later as to how did Barry manage to bypass the do not disturb sign. Sometimes I'll pick my phone and I'm like 15 text messages. It's been bliss. I didn't know anybody was trying to get a hold of me. It's the most incredible invention. But as I was preparing this message um, early this morning, as I was just praying over it, God said to say something very clear to you. Turn off, do not disturb. Not on your phones, but on your spiritual ears. Because there are people in this room and there are certain things that you do not want God to talk to you about. And so you put do not disturb on and you silence his voice or you think you silence his voice. But the reality is that you're not here this morning just because you're here. You're here with a divine appointment of God and he is going to speak to you and he is going to transform your life. But God said that there are people in this room and you have got to turn off do not disturb because you've been living in this state for quite some time because you're actually nervous of taking the next step of where God's going to lead you. My sat-nav a few weeks ago, I was putting in our home address and um, to get to our home, you have to go across a toll bridge. And I don't normally put the sat-nav on to get home. I do know where I live, okay? But I was traveling home in rush hour, and Barry swears by the fact that Tom Tom, right? I don't know, so he can judge, judges the traffic. If there's traffic up ahead, it's going to send you the other way around, and you're going to find a faster route home. So I put in my home address. I'd come over to Warrington to do a favor for somebody, and I, it was rush hour, and I'd put this on my postcode in. And it went from saying I was going to be 20 minutes to 55 minutes. And it took me, it was going to take me a completely different route. And it was so frustrating. And I was like, okay, it only does this if in advance, amazingly, there's traffic or there's danger up ahead or something like that. So I followed the sat-nav and it took me longer than 55 minutes. And I promise you, Barry's name was not sweet on my lips because he tells me, Follow the sat nav, Vicky. Follow the tom-tom. And so it took me ages. And all I could think was, on the bridge, there must be a major crash. There must be something, which is why it's rerouting me in rush hour traffic 
across Bridgefoot. And then it's trying to send me on the M6 to Manchester, which is completely the opposite direction to which I need to go on. And I'm trying to navigate how on earth am I just going to get home in the simplest possible way. So I was like, okay. And I said to Barry, there must have been a problem on the bridge. You know, I've been ages. Charlotte said when I was talking about it this morning, she was like, I remember that I was sat in the car and you weren't very happy. I was like, I wasn't very happy. Anyway, a couple of days later, same thing's happened again. I'm in Warrington, rush hour traffic, put me address in the sat-nav, doesn't send me the normal way home. It sends me all around the houses. It takes me forever. And I'm like, this is really weird. There must be another problem on the bridge. <laughs> and then it happened the next day. This is the third time that this has happened to me. And I'm like, there cannot be this many catastrophes on the bridge, right? Because this is getting ridiculous. Somebody's having a laugh here, right? So I get home and I say to Barry, I was like, it's really, really weird really weird this thing keeps happening to me and Barry says Nick have you checked your settings <laughs> so I was like no why and he was like because it might be that there's something in your settings it's telling me to avoid the toll road I was like oh I've never done that and then I remembered a couple of weeks ago prior to this we were going to London and Barry wanted to avoid the M6 toll road with me and so he says to me, Nikki, go in, change in the settings, avoid toll. Okay? Which meant that I was never taken home in the straight route to my destination. But we do that in life. We do that in life. Because we don't trust God with the route to our destination. Because we know it's going to cost. And we know there's a price we're going to have to pay. And all we see is the cost of making that decision. All we can see is the price that I'm going to have to pay to make that decision. But we see the cost and God sees the end. And he's saying, no, just keep going. Keep going. Keep going. And there's people in here and you've got do not disturb on. Because you know what God's calling you into. And there's a cost. It's going to cost you. It's maybe going to cost you friendships. It's maybe going to cost you financially. It's maybe going to cost you a job. I don't know what it is that it's going to cost you, but you have put do not disturb on. And you're trying to silence his voice because you want to avoid and take a different route round. Where actually God's saying, if you'll just pay the price, this route is going to get you to your destination. It's going to get you there. And so God is speaking directly to those people today with that portion there about the do not disturb. Turn it off. And right now, just say to God, God, I am open to hear your voice and what you are going to say today. What I want to talk about, it produces symptoms in us like weariness. Not, I'm not saying this is a whole list. It produces things like sadness. It makes us feel like God is far away. But yet, you know he's close, but he feels just so far away. We feel like in an area of our life that there's just no direction. It feels like we're struggling to believe God for something where we've been somebody who's never really struggled. You know, as we've matured in our faith, we've just had that faith that we just believe. But suddenly, we're struggling with something. We begin to feel alone. There's an unrest in us, a loss of motivation. We just don't see God the same way that we used to see him before. But we stay there. And we just wait for it to pass. 
and almost cross our fingers and close our eyes that we're going to open our eyes and it's all going to go away and it's all going to be okay. And I realized something about myself yesterday morning and it's quite shocking. I was doing a Bible reading, a Bible plan that the worship team are doing and I've jumped in on the back of it. And I was doing the reading and I was challenged whether I truly expect God to move and speak like I read in the Bible. And I was like, yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. I do expect that. But then I challenged myself again. Because it's easy to say, yeah, yeah, I do, I do. But you know what? I challenged myself again. Like, do I really, really, Vicky, do you really? I mean, you might go, oh, this is shocking. This is the pastor. Vicky, do you really, really, really believe, truly believe that you will see the miracles that you read of in the Bible? Do you truly believe that God will speak like he did all those years ago? And you know what? The answer I truthfully gave myself was this. Yeah, I do expect it, but it's a limited expectation. It's a limited expectation. I 100% believe God does it, but I don't live expecting to see it like in Bible days. And that was truthfully. That, you might be like, that is shocking. As the pastor, you're meant to live every single day of your life expecting God to move like he did in the Bible days. Reality is I'm a human being. And this side of eternity, I am never going to have it all together. This side of eternity, I'm going to see things dimly like you're going to see things dimly. And the truth is when I was truthful with myself and I would say, you know, guys, be truthful with yourself. Don't just answer it. Maybe you're a preacher. Maybe you're somebody who you feel like, well, I'm very academic and I, I get this and I understand this. But be truthful with yourself before God. Because when that challenge came to me yesterday, that was the Holy Spirit challenging me. And he challenged me because he knew there was room for more in me. He knew there was room for growth. He knew that if my faith would grow and I would say, yes, God, I don't see it like that, but I want to see it. And I respond, he knows how much more I will experience in him. I haven't always felt like that. I haven't always felt that, oh yeah, there's a, this area I'm struggling to trust God in. Or, but you know what I realized yesterday? That a part of me, church, this is true. This is truthful. A, a part of me, I'm in a spiritual famine. Part of me. Majority of me, I'm not. But there's this part of me where I'm in a spiritual famine. Now, I, I, I'm in a spiritual famine not because God lacks. Understand that. Not because the richness of God is not enough to feed from. My feeling that I was in a spiritual famine wasn't because God isn't enough. What it was was that I've become malnourished because I stopped feasting on God. And a spiritual famine occurred. There's this area of my life. And where I kept him central, I moved him. 
I moved in and my focus became the situation. And I started to look at the situation and fixating on the situation rather than feasting on the truth of who God is. Rather than reading the word of God and that being my truth and that being what I feast on. I love the song that we sang today about feasting and drinking because here's the thing, Jesus is the bread of life and he's living water. And so absolutely everything I have need of is in him. So here's the thing, right, Isaiah 40, 31 says this, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary and they shall walk and not faint. So if that is true, how have I ended up saying and confessing to a room full of people? I've got a spiritual famine going on. Now, the wrong part isn't me saying, I've got a spiritual famine going on and God's highlighted this to me and I'm the pastor. That's all right. That's okay. The wrong part is when I don't do anything about it. Because we can choose whether we live in a feast or a famine. It's my choice. Because God does not lack anything. So the feast is there. Now I understand that there are times of life I understand where there can be a heavy burden on us. I understand where there is heartache. I understand where there can be areas of stress. But what I want to say to you in those areas, let's be motivated to feast on the truth of who God is. And if we do that, it does not matter what comes our way. We will be in a feast, not in a famine. That verse that I've just read is not an unrealistic expectation. It's true. It says if we wait, those who wait on the Lord, to wait is being willing to trust God for the timing and the strength to fulfill his promise. I'm going to say that again because that's really key for some people in the room. To wait means you are willing to trust God for the timing and the strength to fulfill his promise. Jesus is the bread of life and he's living water. And what we need to survive naturally is nutritious food and water. And spiritually, it's the same. And it's all found in him. Famine is a killer, but famine is fixable. And it's the same spiritually. Famine in an area is a killer, but famine is completely fixable. If I was to say to you, like, if we were you know, in a difficult situation with, with, with food and things in this country, and I would say to you, feast or famine, which do you want? You'd be like, what a stupid question this is. In the natural, we would be like, what a stupid question. Can't he ask me that question? Of course I want a feast. Of course I'm not going to choose famine. But I would just put the question out today. I don't know, maybe this is just me. Maybe you've got it all together. But I would just put the question out today. Do we sometimes settle for spiritual famine? I realize I have been. I have been. And because I have in that area, I've lost peace. I've lost the, 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 almost like the stickability. I've lost that where God had given me signs that this situation would come to an end. I lost it. Because I didn't feast on the truth of who he is. 
how often we can be in famine spiritually and stay there because we don't identify that this is what's taking place in a certain area of our life and we just hope it's going to pass and we just pray and I'm here to tell you this great news you don't have to stay in famine because I am not staying in famine I am not I am not the minute I realized I'm like I'm going to feast on the word I started putting my worship on and I started reminding myself of those promises that God had given me that this situation would one day come to an end and I was like no I'm taking back the ground I'm taking back what God gave to me and has been robbed I'm taking it back I've got a choice And you get to choose today where you are. That list of feelings and things that they can produce in our life, they're almost like red flags of saying there's something not quite right here. There's something not quite right. Not that that you can't be sad by your circumstances, but it's when that you suddenly feel like you are just at a loss. You just feel like, I can't do this anymore. I can't face this anymore. Because you can. You can. Because the truth of the word of God tells you that you can. And I'm just going to give you five points. Grab out your notebooks, pens, phones, iPads. It doesn't have to be iPhone. If you brought an Android, Jesus still loves you. It's absolutely fine. Um, whatever, you know, Huawei or whatever it is. That's really weird, mate. That, do you know something? You know when we had this alert that went off the other week from the government? So it said, if you want to turn it off, if you're an iPhone user, do this. If you're an Android user, do this. And what is it? Yahweh. Not Yahweh. Huawei. What is it? Huawei. That, that brand of phone have their own little way of doing settings. So maybe you're really, like, exclusive because you've got a Huawei phone, whatever. Anyway, get them out. Let's take some notes. I want you to write these down. But I, before we do, I want you to say to God, show me. Show me, God, what I've got to do. Show me, God, what you've got for me today. Have that moment just quickly with him now. And I am going to go through five points that the Lord has given me to help you, to help me to avoid spiritual famine or rectify it, because that's what it was for me. I've had to rectify it. Rectify the spiritual famine that you already find yourself in. Number one, intentionally choose what calories you are consuming. Okay, at the moment, I've decided to do intermittent fasting. It's working quite well, actually, everybody, if you'd like to know. Intermittent fasting. But in that, in that middle bit, some days, I run whatever I want in my mouth because I'm just like, I have got an eight-hour window here where I can eat. And the Kinder Bar went in my mouth the other day. But then another day, it was a raspberry. It was, but here's the thing, spiritually, You've got to intentionally choose what calories you are consuming. Because what you consume will consume you. I'm going to say that again. What you consume will consume you. So if you spend your day watching the telly, you are consuming all of that. The talk shows that are on, the... I don't even know what's on in the day. What's, I don't know what's on in the day. Man, I want to shout it out to him. You'll be telling everybody what's telling in the day. Anyway, um, talk shows, the news, soap operas, all that kind of thing. You are sat there and you are consuming and consuming and consuming. That's what you're doing all day. If you spend all day listening to a radio station, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with listening to a radio station. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with watching telly from time to time if you're watching good, wholesome stuff. If there is anything on the television that's good and wholesome, but you know what I mean? 
But whatever you, what are you spending your day doing? That's a really, really good guide as to what you're consuming and what calories you are taking in. Remember, what you consume will consume you. The fruit your life is producing is coming from what you're consuming. So if you don't like what's coming out in your life, then maybe you need to have a look, okay, what is it that I'm actually consuming? What calories am I taking in? You know, pray and say, God, is there something? I remember years ago, there was this one television program, and nobody would have probably thought there was anything wrong with it. But God really challenged me to start watching it. He's like, I want you to start watching that program. And to anybody else, it would have probably sounded absolutely ridiculous. But what's God saying to you? What God's saying to you, what is it that you're consuming? Are you consuming gossip? Are you sat in an office where people are gossiping? Or maybe you're, you know, you're at home, but you've got your friends around, and they're just gossiping, and they're just talking negative all the time. What are you consuming? The fruit of your life will show what you are consuming. What are you feasting on? Whatever you spend the majority of your life doing, you're feasting on. That's what you're feasting on. And so maybe it's that there needs to be a shift in your life where you need to go, yeah, because actually rather than <coughs> sitting and watching the telly all day or rather than listening to the radio all day, I need to spend some of my day with worship on. Because if you're listening to worship or maybe the Bible audio or you know a good preacher or something like that, if you start to listen to those things, instead of, instead of consuming and feasting on the world's views, you're feasting on God's views. You're feasting on his word, and his word is nutritious. His word has absolutely everything that you need. So what's your day balanced like? That's a really, really good way of looking at what you consume the most. Because I promise you, if you're just taking in what people are saying, what people's opinions are on things, debates, discussions, it's not going to produce something positive and wholesome in you. I promise you it's not, because you just it's right that we are aware of what's going on in the news, aware of what's going on in our nation and in the world, but it can go too far. It can go too far, and, you ju- and then what you're doing is you're listening to a whole load of people just giving their opinion on stuff and debating stuff. What good is it doing to you? Change it. Change what you're consuming, number one. Out loud. Number two, intentionally presenting yourself to God and with purpose. Intentionally presenting yourself, but presenting yourself with a purpose. What I mean by this is, rather than just, and I don't want to, by saying just, I don't want you to think I'm talking this down, I'm not. Rather than just like your prayer time or just just when you pray to God, I'm on about being really intentional about presenting yourself to God and saying, God, I'm here, I want to hear you. God, I'm here for you to use. God, I'm here to I'm here to hear the richness of your word. I'm gonna sit somewhere with my work, with my Bible. I'm gonna open my Bible and I'm gonna put some worship on, and I'm gonna just praise in the presence of God. I am gonna be intentional about presenting myself to God. Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 3 says, Ask me, and I will tell you remarkable secrets you do not know about things to come. I've done this for all my children and um, still doing it for Charlotte because she's still not so cool that she doesn't want mum to say bedtime prayers with her. But you know, I've always done this right from Sophie being a little girl. 
and I still, I do it for, for myself. And before the children go to bed, I put my hands on the head and I pray that in the name of Jesus, that as they sleep, that they will experience visions of heaven and they, they would wake in the morning knowing things that only could have come from God that they would know secrets of God, that they would know secrets of heaven. And I've prayed it because I don't want to give my children over in the night while they sleep to the terrors of the night, to dreams of things that have gone on at school in the day or things that they've watched. And I pray that in those moments, as I ask God on their behalf, that he will tell them remarkable secrets about things to come. And you know, the amazing things that have come out of our kids. I remember Eleanor one night waking up and coming downstairs and she started to talk to us about heaven and what she'd seen. She was only little. She didn't even realize what we'd prayed. And, and she started to tell us, and Barry, it was so phenomenal. Barry actually recorded it. We still have the recordings as she talked about heaven and she talked about what she saw and she talked to me about, she'd never seen my dad, but she talked to me about seeing him. And it was amazing. But what I want to say to you is, I don't just do that for my children, I do it for me. And I would say, you do it for you. And you know, 98% of the time when I pray that, I wake up the next morning and I'm singing a song, not out loud, right? Because Barry would go to separate bedrooms. But I am singing a song. And that song will be something that I really need in that moment of something I've been going through. Or it will be something, and what happens is it goes over and over, and it's, yeah, I, I'm singing it in my head, but I know it's been something that's been placed in my spirit throughout the night. And it will be maybe something later that day that I need. And God gives me stuff while I sleep, because I'm not going to give my sleep up to something that's gone on throughout the day, to something I've watched on television, to something that someone's told me that's going on. I'm like, I don't want to waste a moment hearing from God. I don't want to waste a moment. And I would say to you, present yourself intentionally when you are awake, but when you are asleep. And if you do that, the richness of God, the richness of his spirit will pour into you when you present yourself as an open vessel saying, God, fill me. Fill me because I've not got what it takes, but you have. So even when I'm sleeping, God, I believe you are singing over me. Even when I'm sleeping, God, I believe you are pouring into me the things that you want me to know. So when you're awake and when you're asleep, be intentional as you present yourself before God. Number three, stop listening to yourself. Speak to yourself. Stop listening to yourself. Speak to yourself. Tell yourself truth. Stop listening to your own voice that is telling you the doom and gloom and putting the anxiety into you and there doesn't seem a way out and you don't see how you can possibly come through this situation. Can I say that's why you've got God? Because if you could bring yourself through every situation, you wouldn't need him. We wouldn't, there'd be no need of God. And so it's okay that you feel like you can't come through a situation. That's absolutely fine. But know that God knows how you're going to come through the situation. And so you've got to start telling yourself these things. You've got to write down verses and have them to hand in your pocket or on your phone. Where's my phone? And um, just passing my phone out my bag there. This is what I do on my phone. In fact, one of the, oh, oh my gosh, no, don't, please. 
I'm not the greatest catcher in the world. But say, for example, like this screensaver, in fact, Barry actually made me this one. And I, I switch between my screensavers. So this one says, it is well with my soul. Some days I need to know it is well with my soul. The other one says, I don't know how to change it now, but the other one talks about that he's, he's directing my path and he's directing my steps. So when I feel overwhelmed and I look out my phone, whatever it takes, you've got to stop listening to yourself and you've got to start speaking to yourself and you've got to start speaking to yourself the truth that God directs my steps. It's okay that I don't know where I'm going. God directs my steps. It's all right that I feel like I'm overwhelmed because there was a story, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were thrown into a fiery furnace and God stood with them. It's okay. It's okay. You've got to start, stop listening to your own voice and start speaking truth to yourself. Psalm 42 verse 5, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again. Let me tell you, if you stop praising him, just praise him again. Don't beat yourself up that you stop praising him. Don't beat yourself up that you sat there and going, yeah, I'm in spiritual famine. Guess what? I was, but it just made me fight more. It just made me take it back, take the ground that the enemy had tried to rob from me. Just praise him again. My Savior and my God. Now I am deeply discouraged, but I will remember you. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6. Now David was greatly distressed, for the, for the people spoke of stoning him. Because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man from his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. It did not say everything calmed down and David strengthened himself in the Lord. No, what it said was in the midst, in the midst of people wanting to stone him, David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Point three was stop listening to yourself and speak to yourself. Find those scriptures. Open the word of God when you're presenting yourself to him when you're going to sleep. When you're presenting yourself to him when you're awake. Listen. Listen. Read the word of God. Listen. And he will give you those things to speak back to yourself. <clears throat> Number four. I'm going to take a drink. This is like a drum roll. You know, get you on the edge. Intentionally praise him. Psalm 22 says he dwells in our praises. He inhabits the praises of his people, which means he lives in our praises. Intentionally praising. Praise isn't about whether you feel like it. Uh, it's really not. Praise is about knowing who he is and that he is worthy of our praise regardless. Because God who brought you from there to here is worthy of praise. And God who's going to take you from here to there is worthy of praise. And so praise him intentionally. That means when you don't feel like doing it, when his praise isn't really on your lips, put his praise on your lips. Acts chapter 16, verse 25 and 26, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening. Let me tell you, Paul and Silas didn't deserve to be in prison. They were doing the Lord's work. And then he did something that really, really riled. It really.
really riled people. He did something for God. He cast out an evil spirit, which you would think that's an amazing thing, but not everybody likes you to do it when it impacts them. And so they were thrown into prison. And they were so determined that they could not disappear or get out that they put them in the inner dungeon. Okay, this is not like UK prisons. Right, they were shackled. Their feet, their hands, they were in the inner dungeon. They'll have been in squalor. They'll have been rats. They'll have been awful, awful, awful conditions for doing nothing wrong but following God. And they were thrown into the depths of despair quite physically. But around midnight, Paul and Silas, whilst in the inner dungeon, shackled and chained and in squalor, were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening. You know when you're praising God, it will shift your circumstances when you intentionally praise him. It will shift your circumstances. It will shift the way you feel. It will shift your focus. But I promise you this, people will be watching. And those people who you love dearly, your family and those people that you work with, those people who are close to you, they will watch. And they will watch and they will say, how on earth, how on earth are they living the way they're living when I know what they're going through? And the other prisoners were listening. And suddenly, who knows God lives in the suddenly? Yeah, if you've been going through something for a long time or you're in a difficult situation, God is in the suddenly. There was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. Think this, they were in the inner dungeon. But the earth was shaken to its foundation. It went below it in the inner dungeon. Because when God works, he'll leave nothing. He'll leave nothing unturned. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. Praise him intentionally. Praise him intentionally. Let's just stand to our feet. Intentionally give God full control today. Today. Yes, the word will keep working on you as you've gone, but today, right now, your famine is man-made. It's been created by you. Mine has been created by me. But the feast, oh, the feast will come from the decision you make today. It will come from the decision you make right now. It will come from the choices that you make and the changes that you make right now. And I'm just going to pray as we're all on our feet. What choice are you going to make today? What has God spoken to you today? What is it that you've got to change? Is it, is it what you're consuming? Is it whether you praise him? Is it whether you actually think, I don't present myself to him. I just pray when I need something. What is it? Because I know the spirit of God has moved on this message. I know he has. But I don't need to know what he's challenged you on. I know what he's challenged me on. And so I'm going to pray now. And if, if that's you, surrender to him. 
And if you've been challenged, but you don't want to admit you've been challenged, challenge yourself again, just in case, like I have to. And let God in. Because when you let God in, I tell you there is a peace. There is a peace. Father God, we thank you for your faithfulness in this place this morning. We thank you that you have spoken, that you have spoken. And your love for us is so great that you have gathered us all here in this room today to speak to us. We thank you that you are rich in mercy where we have fallen into famine, that you are rich in mercy, that you are a God who restores. We thank you that we can confidently say there is no lack in you. And so, Lord, I pray for every person in this room today. I pray for everybody on the worship team, everybody on any team that's serving, the the kids team. Lord, for everybody in this room, Father God, that we would be obedient to the challenge we've received from you today. And we declare that the lack is not in you. And today we choose to feast on you, to focus on you, and know that you are good. And you have spoken to the church.